0: every team, every topic, everywhere this is
1: believe. Welcome to Let's Ride with Chris Harris Jr and Patrick Kioti. I am Patrick Kioti. I am joined by all-pro cornerback, all-decade cornerback, former Denver Bronco Chris Harris Jr. Chris, how are we doing today?
0: Doing good, man. The Nuggets won a championship, so it feels good. Definitely seeing them win.
1: Big, big news out of Denver. The city wins another title. We should start just calling Denver Title Town from now on. Honestly, that they, they're a World Series away from having the full sweep. So
0: uh, now we need the Rockies. Yeah, come on, man. Rockies,
1: come on. We need, <laughs> we need some players. They're <laughs> only four, you know, four or five years away. Uh, <laughs> now the the Denver Nuggets. Beat the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals, four games to one. Nikola Jokic, outstanding series. Jamal Murray, another yes. just outstanding performance. Really gutsy uh, second half performance by the Nuggets. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on the Nuggets bringing a title to Denver, their yeah. first in franchise history?
0: Man, when I was there, they were definitely a playoff team, and uh, you know that was on a rise and. Uh, usually with little I guess you say small town teams or small city teams, they usually let them build, you know, build their yeah. team and uh, um, I think the Nuggets did a great job developing their players, having time with their players and doing it the right way so seeing them uh, not being one of those teams that trade and chase for stars, yeah. but doing it in-house, man, doing it the right way uh, salute them and their their GM and their coach Malone and and the patience that they have had to build that team. And now they they can definitely be a contender for the next
1: five years for sure. Yeah, Jokic isn't going anywhere, that's for sure. Jamal Murray not going anywhere, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, big, big kudos to the Denver Nuggets for bringing a NBA championship to the city of Denver. Uh, before we get into our main topics for the show, just want to go over some quick notes. Broncos minicamp, the mandatory minicamp, Started today around the league, there are some players on certain teams that have not attended mandatory minicamp. Chiefs defensive lineman Chris Jones is one of those players. The other one that was a little bit shocking to me was Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs has is Mm. currently sitting out from mandatory minicamp. Apparently, the word is that it's not a contract issue; it's just some personal issues going on with Stephon. So. We wish nothing but the best for Stefan going forward. I know he's a big part of that Bills team and Bills organization, and hopefully they get uh, they get right. him back soon. As for the Broncos, a couple camp notes uh, to go over from day one. Tight end Albert Okwabinom apparently balled out in practice. That's great to see because he was inactive for the majority of last year. Baron Browning will indeed start the season on the PUP list. We kind of saw this coming. We talked about this in the last episode with his minor knee uh, surgery. Of course, they did add Frank Clark. That was a a big ad for them. He will be playing that outside rush position. Uh, Pat Sertan has been getting punt return work in practice, and he will serve as the emergency returner uh, in case of injuries. And Sean Payton said that there were too many flags at practice Chris, last year, the Broncos were one of the most undisciplined teams in the league. A lot of penalties, a lot of flags, and a lot of people attributed that to having a rookie head coach. As far as in minicamp, you've been through several minicamps yourself. What can you say about those penalties and those flags and how they can impact minicamp early on? I think now it's time to to, uh, enforce that discipline. That's what Sean Payton's
0: trying to do. And this team's margin for error is very slim, so we have to be be that team that's not going to beat ourselves. That's going to play smart, uh, disciplined football, and you know that's how you that's that kills games. When you get a forty yard big explosive play and then a flag holding, that drains the whole momentum. So you got to be able to uh, gain that discipline, build that team, coronary, and we're going to keep each other accountable in this way. Uh, if I get a hold of I might have to do 20 pushups, you know, something that's going to be able to keep me accountable, keep our team accountable to where we don't beat ourselves when these games count.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that something you said kind of made me think of a, a clutch Broncos game that lives in the, uh, the haunting memory of every Broncos fans is that playoff game against Baltimore when you guys almost yeah. shut it out. And I think champ had the, the, of what would have been the game winning pass breakup And there was some, I think it was holding on, on him and it it was just the ticky tack call. And and those are the things that you work on in camp and in mini camp to, to make sure that you guys stay disciplined and stay on top of everything. So let's dive into the show. This, uh, this episode, we're going to be covering the draft. The Broncos draft class did not have a first or a second round pick. They did trade up for their second round pick and they took. Marvin Mims, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. And Chris, Marvin Mims, they add this guy. He's a wide receiver. I think a lot of Broncos fans were confused. Why are we picking a wide receiver when there's so much drama going on in the wide receiver room right now? What do you think of this move? And and do you think it was a good move by the Broncos to trade up for a, a wide receiver when they have so many issues going on in the locker room?
0: Yeah, I think so. They've been, you know, we've been searching for some speed. You know, KJ Hamler. We thought he was going to be that guy that could be that speed guy that could take the top off the uh, defense, but we haven't been able to find that consistency with him. So, yeah. uh, being able to get a guy like Mims, uh, I've seen him a lot watching in the Big Twelve, watching OU. Uh, you know, being a, I'm, a, I'm a KU boy, but definitely an OU fan. You know, in the yeah. heart. You know, just yeah. just growing up. You know, we had Adrian Peterson. We had tons of tons of players. Oh, you know, speed. coming through there but uh just seeing uh mems he's a deep threat guy he's been very consistent over his career so i i expect him to uh, hopefully go in there and make an impact fast hopefully they'll be able to find some plays to be able to help take the top off and you know i think he tested well in the uh combine four yeah. three four four range so yeah. we see that he has speed uh hopefully he'll be able to be back there and pump return kick return be able to be a threat back there. Uh, so Sertan doesn't have to do things like that, you know, you know, uh, unless, unless he wants to, unless we're trying to find ways to get him the ball, you know, uh, then I would put him back there, but uh, yeah. I would try to see if Mims can be that impact player that we need. And that's what we've been looking for. We've been looking for a speed guy. Definitely. I can take the top off.
1: Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I saw uh, from Mims during my draft process and, and my scouting was this is a guy that plays a lot bigger than he is. And he really, you know, watching these receivers from this class, there were some guys that did a lot of different things, some guys that were really good after the catch and, you know, some guys that had some size. But Marvin Mims is one of those dudes that even as a 5'10", 5'11", wide receiver in the NFL, he played a lot bigger uh, than than his size. In college, yeah. he was going for 50-50 balls and, and very successful in that range. The speed element, like you said, the the ability to take the top off the defense and and blow by safeties and corners is is so big in this league. We've seen Tyree Kill. We've yeah. seen guys like K.J. Hamler who have that ability to run 4-2, 4-3. Yeah. Uh, but Marvin Mims does it in, in such a great way, and I think that this is going to be an interesting pick for the Broncos. He was actually – one of the guys that I was considering as like wide receiver two, wide receiver three in this class, his athletic profile is off the charts. He had the top uh, relative athletic score at, among all wide receivers in this class. And they the fact yeah. that they got him in the second round is huge. Will he be a big part of the offense? That's still to be determined. But as far as drafting Mims, do you think that this still means that the Broncos trade away one of their wide receivers? We know that they were talking about trading court, to uh, potentially Baltimore, and Jerry Judy was also one of those receivers that were they were getting a lot of calls for. Do you think that with the addition of Mims that this has a big enough impact on the wide receiver room that maybe they do end up trading one of those guys? Um, I could see one of them probably
0: being traded in the midseason. You know, uh, Denver has a history of kind of trading. They might make a trade or so midseason depending on um, how the offense is rolling. Uh, yeah. If those guys are all clicking and, and all hot, then they'll keep them. And if one's not really producing and there's a trade market a trade value for that guy, of course, they'll move on. So yeah. um, that's usually how it works. That's usually the style of how Denver usually uh, flows during the season. Yeah. So I expect all those guys to be there uh, to start the year, and then we'll kind of see how that goes. And uh, hopefully uh, Court- we need Courtland to be a uh, big-time receiver, a number-one yeah. receiver. And to really uh, take ownership of that position, you know, DT made it clear that he was the number one guy, you know, yeah. even though Emmanuel came in and made a lot of plays, we still knew DT was that was the man out there. So, yeah, that's what it takes to be the number one receiver. And um, Russ definitely is going to need that.
1: Yeah. And, and uh sorry, I almost said Demarius. Uh, Cortland did say. <laughs> that he has been studying michael thomas's 2019 film in sean payton's offense of course that was the yeah. year he had that crazy year uh courtland also performed very well in 2019 and sean payton told him that i want to see the same yeah. out of you uh, a, a similar performance to your 2019 campaign as well so quick thoughts before we move on to the defense was there any offensive player yeah in this draft that you like really wanted the Broncos to go after, or obviously quarterback is one of those positions where it's like, you kind of want to draft a guy to let him develop and stuff like that. But was there any offensive player in this draft that you were kind of pounding the table for the Broncos to go get? Yeah.
0: Oh man. I thought we were going to trade a receiver. So yeah. my number one choice was to try to get a Zay flowers from Boston college. Ah. Uh, just cause I seen how quick he was. I'm like, man, you had him and Judy. The route running there is going to be uh, spectacular. But uh, him, uh, definitely, uh, I, I looked at it. I was hoping if we could make a spectacular trade and try to get the running back from Texas, ah, Robinson. He, but uh, I was like, yeah, that uh, that, that was probably impossible uh, to happen. But <laughs> that, that guy right there, if we were able to sneak up and get him. Uh, also, uh, I think the big receiver out of TCU. I remember watching him because he was just killing Kansas. He was killing us. Yeah, I'm like, man, can we find somebody to guard this big receiver? (laughs) Uh, But I think did he go to the Chargers?
1: Yeah. So they added
0: another big receiver. So uh,
1: our DBs, man, they got a lot of work in that AFC West for sure. Yeah, Quentin Johnson was one of those dudes that I mean, again, crazy athletic profile. Yeah, he was. He was someone that when you put the ball in his hands, he kind of has those moves, the same moves as as Judy, where he'll you know he'll hit that stab step and and Mm. jerk back the other way and and he's so quick and explosive out of his movements i i think everybody remembers the game against michigan where he caught that ball behind the line of scrimmage and and just took that thing and he started on the left side of the field came all the way across caught caught it on the opposite hash and then turned it up and i mean just insane athletic profile chargers get another weapon in this draft but man you mentioning Zay Flowers that was my wide receiver one I've been watching him for a long time and yeah. he is explosive that is the best adjective that I can use to describe Zay but let's move on to the defensive side so this yeah. draft obviously without those you know those premium picks in the first and second round it's hard to like go after a, a top talent in the in the draft I always say you get franchise players in the first round You get quality contributors in the second round. You build your team in the third round and beyond. So what the Broncos did is they traded up for uh, Riley Moss, the cornerback from Iowa. And this was a pick that kind of came as a surprise to a lot of people. There were a lot of cornerbacks on the board, myself included. There were some cornerbacks that were still on the board that I really, really liked and and I thought would have fit the Broncos mold a little bit more. Darius Rush from South Carolina was one of those guys I saw at the senior bowl. He incredible size, length, speed, fluidity in the hips. He would run receivers routes for them. I mean, it was beautiful. It's teach tape, right? But Riley Moss uh, from Iowa, very sneaky athlete, like very good athletic profile. What do you think as a cornerback, what do you think he adds to the Broncos defense?
0: Man, he was a guy that's he definitely seen him. He definitely got a lot of interceptions, being able to jump off the field, jump off the screen. I see him playing. Uh, he played a lot of corners, straight corner, boundary corner, yeah. you know. So uh, he's a guy that's comfortable out there. When you're in the Big tw- uh, Big Ten, you still got to deal with uh, a, a top flight receivers. You got to deal with Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio yeah. State. You yeah. know, um, all through there, they got uh, top receivers. So... I think it's going to be, he's going to be a position, he's a guy that we're going to have to count on early, yeah. you know, after Sir 10, um There's really not a, and Williams, you can trust Williams in a slot. Yeah. Uh, but really on the outside, that's really the question mark uh, on the defense. You would say a little edge rushing, and you would say at the corner position. And so he's he's a guy that's going to uh, challenge, I think it's Matthews. Is yeah, that right. how you say his name? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to challenge him to see who can start at that opposite corner. So I think that's a good get a guy that can understand and come in and play right away. Very intelligent guy. Yeah. So I think that's huge to be smart player. And I think he's going to be a guy that you can count on to do his job,
1: mm-hmm. right? He's going to
0: be able to come in and do his job right as a rookie and challenge that guy on the outside. So I, uh, hopefully it brings some good competition there. But if I would say that was a question mark, it would be probably opposite of certain.
1: Yeah. Well, I, Iron sharpens iron that is the saying and yeah. and I think with Tamari Mathis and the way that he performed in his rookie season I think a lot of people thought he was yeah. going to be that slot guy that kind of took over when Williams contract was up or the guy that they use in the slot in in dime uh in dime packages but he played pretty well on the outside he had one game where yeah. he had you know too many holding calls and a couple PIs but all in all Mathis was was not a terrible rookie defender and I, I'm really excited no. to see if Riley Moss can push Damari Mathis maybe they have a nice rotation yeah. solid rotation inside out maybe give K1 Williams some some rest <laughs> you know get Mathis in there yeah. in the slot but I want to move on to another Broncos defensive pick JL Skinner the safety from Boise State yeah. another one of my draft crushes the Broncos picked a few of my draft crushes this year so I'm pretty yeah. happy about that but J.L. Skinner, this is a big guy uh, at at the safety position, yeah. and he's pretty versatile, good athlete. He did suffer a broken arm uh, right before the combine, I believe. It was at the end of the Senior mm-hmm. Bowl. Um, but who does this player remind you of when you watch him play? Man, just watching his film, he kind of reminds me of Cam Chancellor. you yeah,
0: know, of a guy that can play – he's going to – He's going to play a little, bit, a little bit deep, you know, because every mm-hmm. safety has to. Yeah. But he's going to be in the box, you know. He's a guy that I can see playing that dime backer, that T.J. Ward type position, yeah. you know, that hybrid backer. Uh, when, If you want to keep Justin deep, you can bring him down and play like a safety slash linebacker. And he can do that. He can fit yeah. all the, you know, he's going to have definitely a lot of packages. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think this was the best uh, pick in the draft. I think he will be the best player out of the draft. That's my prediction, yeah. um, just talent wise. Because talent wise, when you have a guy that size, uh, being, on play, being able to be versatile and having pretty solid ball skills from from watching his tape, yeah. I think um, he should. Only thing I worry about is him breaking down. You know, being able to break. He's such a tall, yeah. you know, long player uh and um seeing seeing him break down with these shiftier running backs, shiftier receivers uh how is he gonna do in the open field tackling and uh things like that that's one of the question marks that i want to see but there's no doubt that this guy is uh, should i i think if he, if i would have known he would have got hurt then that would make sense why he fell yeah. to where he fell because he's definitely a first round talent and i think uh he's definitely a sleeper in the draft for sure.
1: Yeah. Big guy out of Boise state. Definitely. Uh, he is a thumper too. I mean, he, he, one of his yeah. quotes from the senior bowl, was, he just, I just want to hit people. And and that yeah. is like when you're in a safety room with Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson back, uh, Caden yeah. Stearns and, and these other heavy hitters in the, in, uh, in the game, JL is going to have those guys to look up to and, and, yeah, yeah, your point about can he break down? Can he tackle with good technique? Can he attack the hip? You know, the big hits are fun. Uh, they're great to see from the fan aspect. And and yeah. of course, they're great to see from, you know, every time Kareem goes in for a huge hit or even when TJ Ward would do it, I would yeah. be, like, I'd be so hyped because it's just like those guys, yeah. they know exactly what they're doing. They know how to use their bodies as weapons in the right way. And i feel like jl can be one of those guys one of the biggest things that i saw from him too was his ability to reroute uh not only receivers but tight ends for years yeah. broncos fans have been clamoring who's going to cover travis kelsey who's going to cover travis kelsey who's going to cover travis kelsey well travis kelsey yeah you know he's getting up there in age but he's still playing at a really high level and jl skinner yeah. could be one of those guys who yeah. has the size and the athleticism to bully Travis Kelsey while he's running routes. I think that yeah. this... You said it perfectly. This was the steal of the draft. They got him in the sixth round. This is a guy that I Yeah, I don't know how he went to the
0: sixth round, but no uh, it doesn't really make any sense of what uh, Scouts was looking at, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think he definitely... I don't know if he can cover Kelsey right now. Cause he not, right I, now. <laughs> not right now. Not right now. Not right now. But uh, in a couple of years, definitely, he'll definitely be a guy that will be able to play from, you know, uh, yeah. playing that deep safety coming on down to being in that box and yeah. being a hybrid. I think he could be a hybrid, especially in Coach Joseph's system. how He likes to use guys, kind of how he, he started using Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, Maybe he might blitz come off the edge. Be, he likes players that can play that hybrid dime, you know. So, yeah. uh, I think he can he can definitely challenge uh, for that position early.
1: Yeah, great point too. Isaiah Simmons is kind of that same size profile, you know. Yeah. He's also around six three, six four, crazy like crazy athletic. Uh yeah. just needs to needs to find that spot, and I think that's the biggest yeah. thing with when we're talking about JL is what is his role going to look like as a rookie. You know, obviously, special teams is going to be a heavy emphasis for a lot of these rookies. Really, Marvin Mims in the return game, uh, Riley Moss in special teams as well as a as a gunner or or a tackler. JL Skinner on kickoff, kick return. Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be roles for these guys, but I think for right now, JL Skinner just has to continue to learn Coach uh, Coach Joseph's playbook find your fit find your role he's got great mentors in that safety room so i'm really excited to see where he progresses as a rookie last thing here for the defensive side of the draft the edge depth they didn't address edge in the draft do you think that was an area that they could have gone with their picks in, in in their pick slots and if so was there one guy that you wanted them to get at that position?
0: Yeah, I, I kind of wish they could have been able to get uh, Nolan Smith, but I I, I yeah. think he went a little bit too early. He but to they first. needed a guy that was versatile. Uh, that that was hurts when you draft your when you leave after when you trade away first round picks. You know you're trading away you know future um, you know prospect that could be there for a franchise. You know yeah. so you're 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 letting those things go. So uh, that was a guy I wish that we could have been able to get. Uh, we definitely needed to uh, address. Uh, I think one more, uh, one more draft pick at the DN position, you know, yeah. or yeah. out outside linebacker position. Yeah. But I think they, they, I guess they feel comfortable with the depth that they have right now. Uh, last year, they, I don't. Where did they rank in the sacks? I don't. I don't they didn't do bad in sacks. You know, you expect them to do a little bit better, but I don't think they were totally in the in the um, in the you know, bottom half and sacks. So I think they they did a solid job in rushing.
1: Yeah. They definitely could have gone in a different direction, at least with one of those defensive picks. I think that, yeah. uh, There were a couple guys that were on the board at certain times when I I was like, okay, this is a guy that could come in. This is a guy that could, you know, start. This is a guy like he would give us good edge depth, but I, I, Don't mind where they went. Uh, I I definitely don't mind where they went with these defensive choices. I think that a lot of these picks Mm -hmm. also had to do with uh, special teams. A lot of these guys are going to play special teams, and and that's an area of the of the game that they really struggled with last year. So, hopefully, those guys, uh, Drew Sanders as well. Drew Sanders is a guy that can maybe play that role, maybe play that outside linebacker hybrid role because they brought back. Both of their inside linebackers, Joshi Jewell and Alex Singleton, they're both back. They both played great last year. Definitely exceeded expectations. Can Drew Sanders provide a little bit of that hybrid work? Vance Joseph's system, like you said, they love guys that can play those kind of in-between roles. And I think Drew has the athleticism to definitely play that portion of the defense. So last... Section here, the no fly zone. Chris, this is all about you, my man. I one of the things that I was thinking about, you know, we we had a listener comment about your play in the AFC Championship game against New England, and it really got me thinking, what in the world is it like to play against Tom Brady? So walk me through what it was like to play against one of the greatest quarterbacks of our generation.
0: Yeah. Man, when you play against a guy like Brady, you know that you got to be, you got to be ready, man, because he's going to watch every game. Um, they're going to watch even games from maybe if they played this coach 10 years ago, they might go all the way back, you know, as far as that. That's how big of a research they go into each week, yeah. you know, and how they prepare. And uh, we knew Brady's tendencies. We knew like he loved the middle of the field. So that was always our job is you know that was that was my job. You know I got to shut down this middle of the field. You know, yeah. try to take away his quick throws. Um, the other safeties, heavy awareness on where Gronk is going to be, yeah. and try to take a make him throw outside. And that, yeah. that was always our our game plan versus him. Uh, I don't. I, it was. I don't think I ever won in New England. We played there. I felt like my first couple of years we played there every year. Yeah, but I never. I, I never think I won in uh, New England. But we were able to beat him. Uh, yeah. I don't think he ever beat us ever in Denver, no. so no. Um, it was always a home field advantage. You know when we played against Brady and playing in New England, the rest it, it seemed like they always got the rest <laughs> side. Every time they always play that same music every celebration. You know when you're dealing with Brady, and uh, it was always tough, man, to win up there. But yeah. Brady is the guy that you always had to be uh, make sure you're you're uh, fundamentally ready. Uh, when we played them in the AFC Championship, uh, you know, there was a trick play. You know, they were going to leave it in there. It's fourth and one. You kind of expect them to run the ball because right. they never get when, – when Tom Brady gets under center, you automatically think it's going to be a stretch or a quarterback sneak. <laughs> or a sneak. Like, that's just yep. – that's what the Patriots do. They've been doing that forever, <laughs> you know. And yeah. I think he carried that with him with the Bucks too. You know, that's just yeah. Brady. Yeah. That's his system.
1: His and, classic, uh, you know, classic walk up to the line, get under the center. You know, same you know, day maybe, you know time, what's coming. <laughs> you know what's coming. <laughs> Imagine him now with the uh the the rugby sneak that they have now that Philadelphia kind of
0: popularizes.
1: Gosh. He it would have been a hundred percent every single time. It would have been nuts. But uh wow. I, I want to get your thoughts here. Let's go to uh you know, let's let's talk about something that a lot of athletes have had to deal with is is injuries and yeah you know, i want to get your quick thoughts during the 2013 season that was probably one of your most dominant seasons you had 14 pass breakups three interceptions that was the year that the you know you guys played seattle in the super bowl and you unfortunately yeah. had to miss that game due to injury can you give us just a quick insight? What was your mental state like during that time having to yeah. you know go through this amazing season and then at the end just watch your team uh, yeah. honestly you respectfully get shellacked in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Man, it was tough because I was having
0: a, a great season. At that time, I was actually following the top receiver uh, every week at that time. So I was um, – I was following Keenan that whole game uh, versus the Chargers. Yeah. And I think I had like a simple comeback, man. And uh, it was no physical contact on it. It's just, you know, it just came out, I guess, in uh, in that grass. But mentally, it was just, it was hard that, uh, you know, going to that Super Bowl, you never know if you're going to get a chance to go back. Yeah, And we felt like we had a great offense. And all we had to do was uh, play solid enough on defense. And at that time, uh, when I was playing, we were playing pretty solid. Even up to yeah. the Super Bowl, we we were playing pretty solid. We played pretty solid versus New England to knock off Brady. So we were coming along. And uh, just to get hurt at that time, uh, it was and I have Von that hurt us too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But being able to mentally, I think, but help me in my recovery. And I think Von will say the same thing. Being us being injured together, yeah. uh, being able to compete, train, and really uh, have that competition. You know, every day, every day we. Who's going to come out the – who's going to win the the 10 yards, you know? Yeah. Uh, Who's going to be the fastest on the cones, you know? We're racing, you know, (laughs) and uh, competing and trying to see who's going to come back faster. And I think it both helped us have great seasons that upcoming year. And injuries happen in the game of football, you know, that was kind of like my first injury ever in sports at that time. So it was just something new. And um, to see us get killed like that, it was definitely embarrassing for sure, man. We wanted to come back. We had a bad taste in our mouth.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, definitely a rough game to sit through as a fan, yeah. but I knew deep down in my heart I was like, "We're we'll be back." the The way Peyton was playing that year, yeah. and you know, Vaughn with his ACL injury, I know that was a that was a big turning uh, turning point for him in his career, and then of yeah. course the signing of D. Ware after that season definitely yeah. helped him recover and come back. So, last thing here, you know, speaking about you as a, as a a human being and as an NFL player, yeah. what's one of the biggest, and, I, and I, I think listeners may not know this about you, but you do have five kids. Congratulations on your yeah. newest baby girl, but five kids, man, that's crazy yeah. to think about. What is the biggest lesson that you have learned from being a father and an NFL player?
0: Yeah, um, just being able to separate, you know, work, and then at, at, at the home, you know, when I'm at work, I got to be, you know, in uh, that masculine man, you know, playing yeah, football. Yeah. You know, you got to be, you know, you got to be, uh, it's a different mindset that you take on when you go to play football. Yeah. And when you go home, I am at all women, so I got to be able to set completely <laughs> shut that down, you know, and be able to turn to, uh, you know, to go all girls, you know, it's yeah. a complete opposite house all boys to all women so it's just <laughs> completely different so being able to you know that the girls they just like love attention you know they want to be yeah. they want their dad there. being able to be at the school events all their their games and things that they have going on and being able to help them with the school work I think that's um, definitely a blessing being able to have being in this position where I have been able to play 12 seasons yeah and now if I still want to play or if I don't I can still be able to have time to hang out with my girls so it's it's going great man being able to have a great routine i have yeah. a great routine i I try to take them to school you know every morning then after that i do my workouts and i pick them up later so yeah i uh, usually have a great routine and uh, it's been going good being able to be at home for sure all,
1: all pro on the field all pro in the house you're killing it man you're doing it yes, all sir. well this has been awesome another insightful episode of let's ride with chris harris jr i am patrick Coyote. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Chris Harris Jr. at Patrick Coyote. Make sure that you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and stay tuned for the next episode. Until then, Broncos country. Let's ride.